0: Episode 83, the audio podcast returns. Adam almost makes it to the end but vanishes. We talk about Mac Pros, Audio Bus, and the season begins. All that and loads more on this week's The Audio Podcast. It's the 4th of February 2013. It's episode eighty-three of the audio podcast, "The Return of the Audio Podcast." Yay! Let, let it not be said that the audio podcast team do not know how to enjoy a holiday with a successful Christmas holiday reaching all the way into February, a true uh, a true triumph of holiday planning, or something like that, or perhaps <laughs> gross under planning, perhaps <laughs> is a better is a better way of looking at it. So, uh, I'm just going to reset the window here. So we're back anyway, we'll be back on Mondays, which continue to be the best of a bad bunch of options for when we could do shows, so we'll continue doing that. I am um, Scott here, Sam Freeman is not here, but instead he has been replaced by the ever-capable Adam Yanch.
1: Hello everybody, how are you doing? Uh, I hope they're
0: well. We presume they're well. Or, or else if they're not well, then they can expel
1: their horrors to the you know
0: And I'll, I'll tell you
1: how the, TV. I, I could tell you actually how they could get in touch with us uh, well they could yes they, they, they could um, actually come onto Twitter and uh, oh. tweet directly um, at the audio podcast um, yes. uh, are there any other direct ways of communication I, I you, know there's the website but you, you can send us an email um, at
0: show at the audio podcast dot co dot uk and you can also find us on uh, Google Plus and
1: Facebook as well. So we're in on, we're on all those places if you want to. We're and don't forget, we, uh, don't forget we run live off the show notes on the audio podcast website. That's audio podcast, theaudiopodcast.co.uk, forward slash show, forward slash 83 for today's show, which That's is what? called... The, the Audio Podcast Radio. Returns. The return no, of The, the Return of
0: the Audio Podcast. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's, quite, it's quite a big title, that, because I don't think you've had that title before, but it has been quite a, a break, because we, we basically went through January, and now we're into February. Yeah,
0: has but been we'll quite get, a break. We'll so, get back on
1: with the, with the I, audio podcast news now, I think.
0: I, I think so. I suspect this week's show mm. may be a little shorter than usual. We've just had a traumatic day, at least that I, I have. So let's get straight into it. Uh, Behringer have joined the uh, remote monitor mixing bandwagon with the release of the XIQ app for iOS devices, which allows you to control the, their X32 mixer. To, mm-hmm. And it's particularly designed to allow you to control their you know, monitor mixes. So the idea that a musician on stage can sort out their own monitor mix
1: how they want it in their ears. Good. So it's not like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Is there a, is there a particular set of uh, iOS products that it works with and doesn't work with, or...? I, um, I think it's like I think it's everything that's current,
0: basically. So, okay, uh, iOs does a good be, job, doesn't it? Well, of I imagine it could, be,
1: it could even work with it, the old, um, the first generation iPad as well, because those are still current, really. Yeah. I, Apple would like us to buy new ones, but you don't really have to.
0: I, 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 have, I have a first generation stuff.
1: iPad; it's fine. It, it
0: works, works perfectly fine. Stopped. Does that? I'm not. I I always think about this because. The idea of being able to remotely control this as the engineer is really really exciting. We've seen lots of releases in that kind of space, but I do wonder when you start handing over monitor mix control to other people, to, to other people, does that start <laughs> to affect what they're trying to do, or does it become detrimental to this kind of sound that you're trying to make? I just,
1: i, well, I, I always if, wondered if they, that. If they're controlling only their own monitor mix, it's then it's very much the same model as say unix administrator and unix mm. um user level and you know we're the users we just get the limited access yeah. account when we're using that system but there's one guy or gal or a series of people who administer the whole thing so i imagine that's probably the model that should be followed if you're going to do that
0: oh well definitely definitely so i guess more what i was thinking is that if you're if you're using in ear monitoring, it's not such a concern. But if you're using kind of on stage moni- you know, kind of on stage monitors, and you're letting the people vary their own monitor mix for them, you're potentially exposing yourself to all sorts of risks, you know, in terms <laughs> yeah, of
1: introducing feedback into. into in that would be there anyway, really, wouldn't it? That risk. I mean, it's taken out of your hands, but it's yeah. still kind of there. You know what I would do? I make make a device like on a camera that has that thing over the lens oh yeah do that with and it would actually probably work better put that on your monitor speaker and just direct it straight towards the person like that Very anyway cool. so that is the xiq app for controlling behringer's x32 mixing desk and that is available for ios devices um oh yes yeah. yes that's yes right. okay so um, the next one that's that's fun so um i don't know i know we've mentioned audio bus in the past audio bus being the the interapplication audio uh connection uh, app for ios um i've been following its development for months and months and uh michael tyson who's one of the developers is, is has been really really like enthusiastic about the whole thing and it's it looks like it's really taken root i think it's um it's going to be one of those must have apps um, yeah. to build, build everything together. But um, very recently, actually, uh, Steinberg have released... Is it Steinberg who's released it? Yeah. They've released like, Cubasis, Cubasis, which is a reboot of the Cubasis name, because Cubasis used to be the low-end, free-bundled sequencer that you got with the new audio interface or something like that. It was a taster for full-on Cubase. And I guess mm. they've decided to Re- reuse the name and whack it on their iOS app. So yeah. what's what are the details about the
0: uh well, basically the audio bus support is now in? Ah. It's now in there. So you, Excellent. you Excellent. this is essentially the nearest we've got to a full door on a on, on an iPad. Now it's it's primarily focused towards recording rather than Rather than production work, so it, it it does a lot of recording. It it does, you know, has recording, functionality built into that. And I, I think it's cool. It's incredible what they're managing to push these kind of iOS devices to. And yes. As we're, as, and we're probably going to talk a bit more about where I, you know, OS X and iOS convergence that's happening as well. So it's incredible where this is going, and it's encouraging that we're seeing these kind of these kind of support things appear. But well, I, I was just thinking, is is a door good good as an interface? I'm saying. I'm, I just don't see myself sitting there thinking, "I want to use my iPad to do this." Um,
1: I kind of feel a real computer is what I want, really. But you know. I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean because I feel the same way. I kind of I'm very attached to my mouse keyboard setup when it comes to using a DAW, and I uh, having experienced other apps on on a touch screen. I can't see how you can get the same level of detail achievable on something, even with a big screen like an iPad, because it's just too... I I get very frustrated with touchscreens very quickly when I'm trying to do something quickly or that's detailed, and I can't do it. So I'd probably find it very frustrating. But I think... uh, I think... That that's my opinion, and I'm very baked in. And you know, me and you are baked in. We yeah. we can use the touch screen; we're fine with it. But we're very used to our creature comforts when we're doing really specialist tasks. Yes, yeah. so I think maybe a new generation of music creators will love the touch screen, and hopefully, there'll be some new touch screen user interface ideas that come along with that. Oh, definitely, just
0: so. and I agree that the the interface possibilities are exciting. I think the, the question mark I have is really just whether the the iPad is the kind of platform that you'd want to commit your recording to, and your recording activities to. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. As, as, as an illustration, I, I was thinking about this. If if my laptop, if I did a, if you know, if I did some recording and the laptop died then I could you know take it apart, pull out the hard drive and you know, recover the data. Like that's that is something that I could do. There's there's no iPad
1: equivalent of that. No. Well it's not as simple. You might be able to at some point it'll just upload to the cloud or something like that and it'll always be there. Yeah. Um but then but I mean in point of failure, like if it if it failed, you know what I mean, like with that you know, like... No it is less likely to fail as because it doesn't have the moving parts, that's one. Yeah. Thing, maybe that's it's not a, a really com- compelling argument there. No, uh, no, no, exactly. And then <laughs> I think there's the peripheral questions
0: and things like that as well. You know, it's and in, in, but there are all things that could be resolved. I'm saying we could see you know professional stand and sound cards appearing and connected into iPads. It could, you know, there's
1: no. It could happen. I can. Well, I mean, I would I would view something like Cubasis and what's that other. Um, the other I asked DAW that came out in the last six months that's really good. That was like oh, um, I think that one's the one that was really deemed as being the first proper. The breakthrough one. Yeah,
0: let me check its name.
1: I've got anyway, it here. You, you check that, and I'll just continue on. Um, I think that um, I see them as being useful tools for creation whilst you're out, and then it's all about integrating that or. Extracting that and putting it into a more capable system when you get home. Um, But I also think that, you know, we've got our baked in opinions and I think that, um, you know, just disregard our opinion because you can make music any way you want to make music and technology should help you. And if, if you can make good tunes on an iPad with the resources available, then you, bloody hell, you go and do it. Yeah, you know, don't, don't listen to all fussy pants like us because you know, it's just I I I wouldn't I wouldn't take our opinion as being the uh, as being the way forward is what I'm saying. I don't trust my own opinion. And I I wonder
0: <laughs> if what you were thinking of was Aura, a U R A. yes, yeah. it was.
1: It was Aurea. So uh, anyway, so Q um, basis. Um, audio bus if you follow audio bus on twitter um, they regularly update and say um, this this app has now got audio bus support this app has now got audio bus support they link in with people they'll they'll post videos of people who have made music with the audio bus system linking all the apps together in their device and that kind of thing so I would suggest following I think it's audio bus app yeah Um, I I think that's right yeah Something like that. Anyway.
0: You can find you, you can link off to um link off from the there's links off from our website from the audio uk across into there. So you can find them from there. Shall we move on to the
1: next one? No Scott, I'm very interested in the next one because um I, I, I'm putting my hand up and admitting that again I haven't read the show notes. Um the title of the next one is called Will Streaming Work? Um what is what's the context, Scott? Well
0: what 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 I spotted was there's a New York Times article. Which, um, which, which, which pointed me in the direction of a a girl called Zoe Keating, who is a who is a musician. She does kind of experimental cello playing. Not related to Ronan, I presume not. No. <laughs> and what what she done is she's actually produced a spreadsheets of her earnings uh, as an artist. Okay, I see. And, and it was quite it's quite interesting. So the bit that so the bit the New York Times picked on, which is related to the article, was. Her, her discussing stream her streaming revenue, basically. Okay. So the amount of money she's making from streaming. I thought it was quite interesting that on the side of it it also listed her other revenue on as further on it also listed her other other earnings revenue as well. And it was yeah. interesting to see that she even as a as, even as an established but not nationally acclaimed, I think is probably the best way to put it, she still makes a significant amount of income from tour. From touring revenue and live revenue. Mm. Like, I, I was surprised that it was that, you know, that sort of larger number. But the, the point that she was making is that her, you know, the, the, the thousands of plays by Spotify and people like that, you know what I mean? She was essentially looking at less than a cent per per play from, okay. from this kind of streaming sources. And just the fact that it's basically, you know, while, while you could look at it and say it's money that you would never get and therefore it's worth getting, maybe... But it's nonetheless not a substantial amount of money, in any way whatsoever. And
1: I think prob- you know, I think that's an interesting point. The thing I would wa- like to raise is: is not something that I've really heard much mm. argument about. But then I haven't really followed it, followed this argument at all. Really, I kind of, I kind of know that Spotify doesn't pay very much on streaming. Yeah, but that's the that's the leaving point for me. That's like well. Previously, the only method of getting paid for someone playing your track is if it gets played on the radio. If you buy a CD and you listen to it, you know, at home, you're not paying as a listener. You're not paying that artist per play. The Spotify model is a completely different thing. You know that. There's no precedent for it. You know, radio play is controlled by the people who run the radio. And when you're at home, you're used to listening to tunes and you've already bought it or maybe you've downloaded it illegally, whatever. You're not paying per play. Yeah. So I I, I can see why people have latched onto this streaming problem. You only get so much, like, less than a cent per play or something like that. But, I mean, what, what do they expect? Like what ten ten cents a play that 's ridiculous, because you can listen to a tune millions of times more than millions of times you can sell a million records, and each person might listen to it a hundred times, and that 's conservative you know
0: oh well, well, de- well, well definitely, but the thing is if you if you think that the model was your pay you know even if you consider it against the iTunes version which is ninety nine cents for a download. If, if you're getting a quarter of a cent per play, that's still, you know, that's a lot of down. That's a lot of streams before you've even made it to the point where one person would have bought it under the, you know, under the iTunes version. And I think this is the kind of problem is that it's it's gone from a, you know, people paid three ninety nine for a CD single to ninety nine cents for the track of the CD single, and now with streaming revenues kind of dropping even further, it's causing. Problems. There's an interesting side to it, which is that neither Spotify or Pandora, who are the biggest two, n- neither of them are actually profitable in any real way. They neither of those two businesses are actually making any money. So they they both have massive venture capital investments and valuations, but neither of them are actually profitable. They're not making money. They they don't make money in any way. So there is a real question here, which is just that streaming is neither. You know, it'd be one thing if what the problem here was the artist business relationship needed reformed, but it turns out that the businesses aren't actually making any money, so they don't have any money to pay to the artists anyway.
1: Well, so, yeah, but then, then even even then, it's like how could you say the the problem I I suppose with the Spotify streaming system is it's very much biased towards really really popular music. So there's almost no point in putting your music up on Spotify if. If ten people are going to listen to it a week, you'll mm. you'll yeah. be better off just letting it stream for free and and somewhere where you can buy it easily, um, or set a price. Something like Bandcamp. I always I'm a proponent of Bandcamp. I will always say that Bandcamp is great, and I really enjoy the options available there. Um, but maybe the streaming system is not economically viable, or maybe they haven't uh, Spotify.